start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. I am your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is... Uh, Patrick Barnett. Yeah, a remarkable person. You are both an actor and an accomplished singer. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be on the show. Appreciate it. So so on Star Trek, various uh, programs, you've been a Borg, a Bajoran, a Granari, and other things starting with B. Right. (laughs) Many things I've, I've forgotten the names of, quite frankly. I looked it up. Okay, I'm not that good. No, no, no. I mean, but I'm, I mean, that's that's yeah. There's a couple of other aliens that I don't even remember which ones they were, but but no, that is that is correct. So on. Star- but now you're our favorite. Ah, too kind, too No, it was it was it was a fun, fun time. I mean, it was a great, exciting time in my life and career. The reason I got on radio for the first time is because of Star Trek. Really? Wow. What happened was. Uh, they, they, a lot of them knew because I was around a lot. A lot of them knew that I was a singer, and and I had done an album in like two, you know, like two thousand, two thousand and one, something like that. But I had an album, I had a record, and I gave it, you know, and, I, and they knew I was a singer. So I would, they would, you know, I would, they would dress me up, and they would be kind of fixing my costume or my makeup, and I'd be ready to go on, and I'd sing a little like "I've Got You Under My Skin." I'm just, you know, just joking around. <laughs> And they get a kick out of it. So I, I just joke around with them and have fun. But I gave my CD to uh, Tom, I'm forgetting his name, who was one of the main, um, he was the, the, the head costume designer, I think, on Star Trek Voyager. Anyway, Tom, lovely guy. Um, I gave my CD and he listened to it. He really liked it. And he said, I'm going to give it to, um, forgetting her name, but a very nice uh, woman who was the uh, the one of the wardrobe on-set wardrobe stylists and her dad is john regan john regan was a very well-known dj in los angeles on 1260 um, am ksur so i got a call that from from him saying hey you know i gave your cd to um, we'll just say Catherine or whatever and she called me up but she said look my dad i gave my C- your cd to my dad and he really loved it he's gonna play it on your sh- on, on a show on friday night Awesome. Well, it's all Hollywood connections, isn't it? Yeah. So, and it was one of these things, and you know, I'd never been played on the radio before. So I was out, you know, to dinner with a friend of mine, and you know, he said, "Okay, I'm going to play you at you know nine oh five. And you know, it was like I think you know it was like Nat King Cole, Andy Williams, and we have this new singer, you know, from Los Angeles, and I just heard this music. I love the song, and here he, is. and you know, and it was one of those moments. So, wow. There you go. I went to the uh, 25th anniversary of. Uh, 
of Star Trek First Contact in the fall. And, wow. Uh, that was really something to kind of see a lot of the folks, you know, see some of the actors and see Jonathan Frakes, number one, and, you know, some of the some of the stars and a lot of the production people. Uh, yeah, 25 years later, and the movie was just really cool to watch the movie. So. so you have been, of course, busy since then. What are you doing lately? Yeah, you know, I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing... Uh, a lot of music basically i mean actually since you know recorded an album in uh in 2019 uh 2020 uh i'm sorry 2018 2019 i recorded a big band album called sway Ooh, and i'm also uh-huh. you know a singer i sing you know a lot frank sinatra uh-huh. frank sinatra bobby darren you know that kind of stuff uh, you, jazzy stuff you, and, you have uh, that you have that smooth uh crooner's voice <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, we recorded that in 20, 2018, 2019, and released it in, in the uh, the summer of 2019. So, the uh, the name of the album is called Sway, mm-hmm. Dean Martin Sway. Right. Uh-huh. And um, it's a big band record, and um, we've been really blessed to have it, you know, played on many of the big jazz stations around the country, and, and actually on K-Jazz here in Los Angeles, and, uh, you know, they're still playing it uh every once in a while so we're still getting spins but uh so that's been you know that's been occupying a lot of my time um still in the acting game uh i did a uh, i just had a short film that i did called the uh <clears throat> excuse me called the blonde bombshell that uh that i did oh, about okay. about a year and a half ago which is it's a really cool short film on the the last 48 hours of marilyn monroe's life Ooh, and that, that just played at the uh at the downtown film festival here in LA and also played at the Chelsea film festival in, in New York city about, uh, two weeks ago. So, so that, that was cool. We, you know, that, that's, it's a really cool short film that a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine is a great filmmaker named Jamie Lynn Littman wrote and directed and a lot of really great actors. And I had a lot of fun doing that. So, um, you know, still in the game, but auditioning and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but but really doing a lot of gigs. I mean, I've been singing with a big band and playing in Palm Springs and here in Los Angeles, and uh, it's been busy. You know, blessed. You know, that is we got to keep up. Blessed for the gigs. It is really difficult for uh, musicians to get to the the stage in their career that you are currently in. M- most of them don't make it, and I I am thoroughly impressed. And we have seen some some of your clips. Uh, we really enjoyed them. You know what? You know, yeah. James Darren's not getting any younger. He sure seems to be very, very retired at this point. And, and at the same time, we're hearing we're hearing um, rumors about Deep Space Nine coming back. Now, there's a there's there's kind of a running bit with a big band club. Just yeah. Like what well, you know got. what? I mean, hopefully that would be great. You that would be your, that would be you, super cool. I mean, it's funny. And when I worked on. It's wild because, you know, all those years ago when I worked on, uh, you know, on Deep Space Nine, that was like my first, that was kind of like my first foray into Star Trek, the Star Trek world, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was one of these, uh, um, I was one of the Bajoran, you know, Kira's foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a great, great crew and, you know, production team and, and just really just, I mean, that's the really great thing about Star Trek is that, I mean, I really... I can honestly say I really met, I didn't meet 
anyone I didn't like really on on that show. I mean, it's kind of a real family, kind of a an atmosphere, a fun atmosphere. Really good people. And um, when I was working on that show, I remember you know hearing about James Darren, and you know he was a singer, and I knew I knew who he was, of course. But I, um, yeah, it's funny. And I was sort of I was sort of pretty new in in L.A. at that time, and I was mm-hmm. just kind of singing you know around in clubs and things and i remember he'd be on the set and they might be shooting his bit later in the day but it was uh who knows maybe you know maybe they'll they'll bring ds9 back and they'll need a big band singer you never know right? you know but i'm uh, ready you, you absolutely should have your your agent pitch you as as the new voice of of, of vic fontaine and uh, vic that's right that's, that's it vic fontaine right i mean james darren's a legend yeah he really is and the, uh, a big fan and uh yeah so uh well, you know, the, uh, the, it's the Star cool Trek. In the next generation, I mean, I guess there's that episode in, in the next gen uh-huh. where Jonathan Frakes played the trombone. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and he I, actually, he's, a, he's a real trombone player. Yeah, so, I mean, he was uh, really playing that. Yeah. But in any event, that's uh, yeah, that's that, that's that would be cool. So. You never know. You know, Lower Decks, the, their their comedy animated series, is has already been to Deep Space Nine once. They could do it again. That's right. That that is right. So we'll well, we'll course, see what happens. But of course, uh, the holodeck presents all sorts of opportunities yeah, no, for. We should absolutely pick the holodeck. That's right. You just move in and out of time and place and all that good stuff. That's it. The it's not uh, it's not a given that. Uh, oh, excuse me. Let's see. Uh, nine minutes in, and I think I have a microphone problem. Oh, goody. You want to come over to my mic? Checking, checking. Oh, that's not good. Okay, uh, check, check. Okay, that's no. good. Is it? Yeah. Because I can't hear myself. What? Well, you were when you were close to it. Okay, well, I'm just going to assume that everything's okay and keep plowing ahead. Maybe. Sounds great to me. You guys okay. sound fantastic. All right, all right. So, um, I was going to say that, um, I was going to say that your experience on the set is yeah. uh it's a wonderful thing to have and it's not true of other sets i've been on sets where <laughs> everybody hated everybody i i remember being yeah. on uh i remember doing practical effects for the powers of matthew star back in uh oh god are you sure you wanted to name titles there <laughs> yeah well it, you know it's like 30 years ago okay okay uh there's a statute no. of limitations yeah i guess <laughs> and, and uh everybody was on edge nobody liked the director he was a misogynistic creep and and uh <laughs> when you when you get a uh the family situation like you did on deep space nine it's a blessing it's just yeah i mean blessing. it was just it was yeah i mean it really is truly i mean i think, I think it's well put um because I've had a lot of, you know, I had, I've had, you know, I'd, I'd say the majority of my experiences on on film sets and TV sets over the years have been pretty positive. But I think, um, yeah, I think Star Trek really stands out. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it, you know, by the time, I mean, a lot of the crew, a lot of the crew on Deep Space Nine were kind of like holdovers from um, from from the next gen. So you know, they're, you know, when you have people that are working for years on the same set, you really get that. That that sort of uh, uh, the, the sort of community sense of community that that's built, and uh, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I just had a great, I always had a great time. I mean, there's always, you know, there's always, you know, tension on sets when, you know, you're a little behind and they need to make up some pages and, you know, and they need to get the coverage and, and they're, and they're behind, you know, on the day. But for the most part, I mean, everyone was very, um, I just had really good experiences. I mean, you know, from deep space nine to, uh, to, you know, first contact and then, um, and then later on in Voyager. So how, you spent a lot of time getting bumps glued to your head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bumps yeah, I did. More. I had a lot. Of, I, and... I had a lot of glue on this on this head, <laughs> this face, for sure. So it's you know, oh, you just sit in the chair and you let other people do their magic. It's obviously very, very relaxing. No, I bet it's not. What's it like? Actually? Well, you know, it's 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 um, usually involves you know getting up at you know call times anywhere from you know three i mean i think my earliest call time at star trek was like a 2 30 in the morning call time oh yeah i think i had a, i think i had a two i think i had a 2 30 call time my memory serves me but that would have yeah, to have been for borg um, pardon me that would have to have been for borg yeah for sure and i think that was maybe during pickups like because we did a couple of days of pickups in the fall after we shot uh we shot first contact in the in, in sort of june of 96 um that part of it with the Borg. Um, but in the fall, you know, there was, I think it was maybe, I want to say November, maybe a couple days in, in pickups in November. And yeah, I think they were crazy early, but yeah, you know, you get there, you know, the crack of not even the crack of dawn. I mean, way before, way before, you know, the, uh, the crack of dawn and, you know, you're in, you're in up, upstairs in the makeup lab and you're, you know, you're, you know, it's a little chilly out and you're, uh, they just, put this bald cap on you and the and the artists the uh, makeup artists do their magic and they're just remarkable i mean the uh they're just really just incredible what they're able to create so uh, i had i had some really wonderful art makeup artists camille, camille calve james mckinnon um mary Kay morse um uh, brad look these are just some, some of the few na- names of some of the artists that i remember you know perry sorrell and jake garber and a lot of those folks that just did, did their magic and Camille Calvet was my um, was pretty much my makeup artist for most of, I mean you know I had my makeup done by other people but she was pretty much my uh, my makeup artist and um, she had a nickname for me because I couldn't work five days in a row because my skin was taking a beating they only put me in for four days she, she used to call me baby Borg <laughs> oh no, there's a song yeah I was I was I was baby Borg so, and it still sticks because it's funny because I saw her I hadn't seen her years she's wonderful i started the screening and <laughs> she said baby boy <laughs> it was really funny but you know but but in any event you know it was just it was uh it was something you know, just and then and then that and that's just the, that's just the makeup that didn't include the suit so you know you're you're probably making for two you know a good couple of hours you know maybe two uh, probably three hours to start and then they they streamlined it over time and you know they got it down to about probably about two you know, two hours. And then, uh, then after that you, you get your suit put on and they glue you. They, well, originally they would glue you into the suits, but eventually they, uh, they, they installed a zipper. Oh, so what that a clever you, you idea literally, there. when you were glued into the suits, you know, they kind of had, if you needed to, you know, get out of the suit, they had to literally like, you know, break the glue, you know, and, and, and pull you out of it. So, in any event, so that was uh, they 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 would put you in the suits and then they light you up with the, you know, had all the lights and then the laser eye and all that stuff. So it was it was uh, literally by the time P 
people started getting to work on the lot, which was probably what eight nine a.m. I mean, you'd work, you know, some some days you'd already work six seven hours. It's crazy. It's like, uh, what was the name of the guy who played the the thing in the Fantastic Four? Chickless Brian Ma- Michael Chickless. Michael Chickless. Michael yeah. Chickless. Yeah, Ooh, he's yeah. very. He was very good. I, how did he pee in that thing? Well, he <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> and uh, it would take it would take them six and a half hours to put him in that suit every day. Yeah, and, well, no, that's that's that's, that's, for the, that's yeah for the first movie, and then they they yeah. they redesigned the suit so that it had yeah. snaps and things, and they sure. got it down to four hours. Oh, yeah, well, that's yeah. it. That's what they do. They just make it a little bit you know easier for everybody and kind of uh, kind of expedite it. But yeah, that was what they did. They they eventually put it installed a zipper. You know, I guess for I believe on Voyager because a lot of those suits they used in First Contact they ended up using on Voyager. And, well, that uh, makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, because the Borg, you know, the Borg, you know, figure pretty prominently in, in the, uh, the sort of later seasons of Voyager. Oh well, yeah, yeah, the, the finale even. But, yeah, especially uh, that tennis player one. Bjorn Borg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With a, with a tennis racket <laughs> where his hand should be. That's an old. That joke is very old. That's, That's a good one. That good joke one. is older than many of our listeners, dear. Yeah. I remember Bjorn Borg very well. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you very well. So but I'm tipping you know, I'm tipping my hand right there for you. Yeah. <laughs> so um But if a, you know if two Borgs show up in the same outfit, you know, nobody's embarrassed. <laughs> that's right. They can that's use very it more true. Than yeah. yeah. Huh. So where let's go back to beginnings. How did you get into the industry in the first place? Well, I mean it was always um you know as a kid I was always, you know, involved in music and um I was always you know, singing. I was a musician when I was younger. I played the saxophone when I was a kid, and I was always in bands. You know, I was in a local band with friends of mine in New Jersey, growing up in New Jersey. I'm from the East Coast, and uh, I was in a rock band. And you know, I was listening to really pretty much rock and roll for most of my early years. Uh, you know, I have two older brothers, and they had a great record collection, and you know, everything from the Beatles to the Who to Zeppelin to the cars to Elton John. I all mean, the all stuff the I grew up on. Classic stuff of the, you know, the seventies and, and, um, and then some, and then, uh, you know, and I just had a lot of musical friends and, and I was always, you know, I was also equally fascinated by movies and, uh, you know, love films. And, uh, so, you know, I'd see a lot of movies when I was a kid and I had an uncle actually, um, when I was very young who was, uh, who had moved to Los Angeles when I was a little kid and, uh, he became, he wanted to become a very big, uh, sort of player in the, in the studios. He was, a he worked for Columbia pictures. So I was always kind of, you know, he was out here and I was sort of always fascinated with, you know, the business. And then, um, you know, went on to go to school and did plays and, you know, continued in bands. And, um, and then I eventually moved here and went to college and did some plays and, musicals and then i uh continued to do music and i moved here in the early 90s and and uh yeah and i just started started working and and then i started singing more and then you know ended up doing both you know and you know every and it would sort of i do more acting at some time you know at some points and you know it would one or the other would take over for a period of time but i've been, I've been doing both for you know for a long long time now so it sounds like Great you friend. just started way back at the beginning, not trying to get into performance, just 
doing it because you love to do it. Yeah. Making yeah, I know for sure. I mean, it's live. always been, uh, you know, performing's always, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've always just, I've always loved it, you know. And, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, my brother, Chris, and I, we had, uh, we had an agent in New York City. And, you know, when I would, so I, I had a little, I kind of had a little taste of the business when I was really young, you know, in grammar school. And, uh, you know, we'd go to the, we'd go to the, you know, grew up in the metropolitan area in New Jersey and we go to the city for auditions and, and things. And, you know, and it, it, this probably went on for maybe about a year or two. And then eventually, you know, you know, booked a, some print work and things, but I had, I had those experiences. So I kind of, uh, kind of wet my appetite a bit. And, um, so I had that, you know, that, that experience as a young kid, but I also, I also had an uncle who, uh, another uncle who, uh, was an actor and, uh, he was um, he was an attorney for you know by trade, and then uh, you know he was always he was always an actor, and uh, you know he was sixty. He uh, you know he was always doing off Broadway plays. He lived in Manhattan. His name was Roy Barnett, and he uh, lived in Manhattan, and uh, he was always working off off Broadway and directing a play here and there, and he was always involved. You know, it was his passion. He was he was an attorney. You know, a very successful attorney. But he, uh, but he, he loved, loved theater and acting, and he did it. You know, he did it for years, and then when he was sixty, he booked his first film role. Wow, which is crazy. And it was yeah, that is J- that is JFK. a late start uh, for Oliver, Oliver Stone's JFK. He he got a nice part in that, which is nice. Uh, what, what nice. A, what a classic movie to be involved in, hey? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So in any, in any event, so you know, he was my uncle was a big influence in my life, and you know he. Uh, um, you know, so there, there was always, there was always that, you know, my uncle, when I was a kid, you know, he, he had a big, uh, he played a big role in sort of my development and in my interests and kind of encouraging me to kind of pursue my dream. And, and also I had another, you know, I was really blessed because I had, um, another uncle who was in the, uh, he was, uh, a member of the Abbey players with James Mason in like the thirties and forties. Wow. So when I was a little kid, you know, my, my two uncles would come to the house and it was sort of like, you know, it was, it was special because, you know, they were, they were characters, you know, and they, they kind of, you know, I would hear these stories and, you know, I had another, my uncle Irving would tell stories about James Mason and all the, you know, just all the incredible things he did. And so I had a lot of, you know, I had a really, was really lucky to have a lot of, um, you know, some really wonderful mentors along the line, you know, um, who kind of, kind of, you know, looked out for me and, and, uh, kind of nurtured me along the way. So I was, uh, I was blessed, really blessed that way. So when did the, when did the swing music come in? You started with well, rock. Well, you know, it's funny. Then... I, I always, um, I started, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was always really a big Bobby Darren fan. I always loved Bobby Darren, mm-hmm. even as a kid. And, um, you know, I would I would hear, you know, Sinatra and I would hear big band. You know, maybe at my grandmother's. I don't even think my parents were playing much of that music. And I would hear it. I would see it on TV and stuff. I'd see, you know, Sinatra and, you know, Sammy Davis, who, you know, incredibly just an electric performer. Um, and I'd see I'd see these 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 entertainers on um, on TV and uh and I also played the sax, so I was always—I kind of always gravitated to kind of um, any sort of music that was kind of jazzy mm-hmm. because I played the horn, I played the sax. So, wow. Um, yeah, so I think you know, as I got older, as I you know, kind of got into college, and I started 
learning tunes and stuff. I, uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that was happening in the music world. Like, you know, Harry Connick was on his way up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Harry Connick was, you know, singing great standards. And then, you know, George Michael had that great song, Kissing a Fool, which is a classic. And, you know, a lot of that stuff started to come back and it was sort of, um, kind of in vogue at the time, really. And, um, you know, and I started, I moved to LA and I, I met some musicians and I met a, a singer, a friend of mine who was a phenomenal jazz singer, this woman named Vicki McClure. And, you know, I, I would just hang out Ooh. with her and we'd listen to Chet Even Baker. I've, and, I've, I've heard of Vicki McClure and I don't follow jazz. Well, there you go. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. She sang in the Olympics in 1984. Um, so in any event, so we, we'd hang out and we'd listen, you know, we, I just was listening to a lot of just kind of. I think for a couple of years, I kind of went into a time warp and I started listening to, you know, Chet Baker and Tony Bennett and all sorts of jazz and all sorts of singers. And uh, I kind of went into, uh, a, you know, a time a time capsule, so to speak, you know, um, or time machine. And uh, I just listened to jazz. I, mean, I listened to, you know, classic singers and Sinatra and Nat Cole and, um, you know, Johnny Hartman and you know, you name it. And I just started listening to all these singers. And, um, that's when I, that's when I kind of started singing and learning, you know, more and more standards. And I kind of started doing more and more of that singing. And I just, I kind of found a home in it, you know, and that was, um, you know, I had this really wonderful, uh, jazz artist who ended up becoming a mentor of mine, Howlett Smith, who was a really well-known songwriter and, um, pianist in, in Los Angeles. And I started studying with him and I started doing gigs and, it just seemed kind of, it seemed kind of um, natural, and it kind of felt felt like home to me in a way. And uh, you know, and I, I, I've been doing more. I, you know, and this is you know years ago, but I mean, I, I do a lot of other different types of music now. But you know, by and large, I mean, I, I do mostly jazz, but um, doing a little bit more rock now. And we're doing like covers of you know songs by The Doors, and. Um, oh, I can absolutely did a cover of the, the band, the uh, song "Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is" by Chicago. Oh yeah, uh huh. Uh, on my on my last album, and you know, we did a cover of uh, "Touch Me" by The Doors, and see, so, yeah, I'm in I'm in a lot of the you know all that stuff, you know. So we're trying to you know kind of put a spin, a new spin on that, but but yeah, it's uh, does anybody it's know, really know what time it is naturally, uh, really? and uh, yeah. you know, just by listening to a lot, you know, seeing, I, and I've been really lucky enough to see a lot of really great performers. Like I saw Tony Bennett, you know, I saw you know Ella Fitzgerald, like maybe a year or two before she passed. So I was really lucky enough to see some of these, these legends in person, you know, perform and, uh, had a huge impact on me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that entire genre of music is just timeless. Uh, it's starting back, starting back with, uh, I mean, going all the way back to Bobby Darren and his 1959 release of somewhere beyond the sea. I mean, that's iconic. And all the kids know it from Finding Nemo. Yeah, we all know it from Finding Nemo because it's in the end credits. Isn't I mean, like you know, all these classic tunes, you know, are associated with you know so many of these newer movies, right? Yeah, we've taken to playing some of them on Sci-Fi Dot Radio under the category of "We licked it, it's ours." (laughs) It wasn't (laughs) sci-fi before, but it's it's kind of. But it is now because they stuck it in a sci-fi movie, you know, in the credits, right? Tell credits roll or whatever. I think there was that film. um, God, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Guardians of the Galaxy had a pile of '70s, you know, hits and classic songs. Yeah, Yeah, there was a film that. 
uh, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the uh, uh, David O. Russell film with um, uh, boy Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it it Sway was in that. Oh, there was a whole okay. there was a whole you know dance scene with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper and and where they 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 dance to Sway. You know, so it's. Uh, pretty cool you know when you see these see these classic films you know classic uh, songs pop up in movies you know yeah i'm i'm looking at jennifer lawrence and bradley cooper here and it's uh american hustle no no silver linings that's the, yeah america yeah 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 um yeah that's the, the silver linings playbook yeah yeah oh, okay. silver linings playbook yeah 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 that's that was that was eluding me <laughs> <The name. laughs> But, yeah, the, uh, the wonders of Google. I have that's strong right, that's Google right. foo. Maybe that's why sometimes I, I can't remember these names. I'm still relying on Google. Like I could, you know, I could just press the button and find out what it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's my that's my my great failing. Uh, without my cell phone, I am stupid. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's it's the thing with the thing, and and the guy with the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, the Borg have the collective. They can look anything up. Yeah, that's true. That's to, right. That's right. They are their own Google. They have their own Google, and they just, they'll just assimilate you mm. to get whatever information they need to get. <laughs> so are you looking at... Uh, so what's next? Are you looking at an, any new films or a new album? Um, You know... <clears throat> Yeah, there's you know I did a I did a couple of films, a couple of horror films called Coffin, Coffin and Coffin One, Coffin Two, I should say. And, um, so there's some talk of a Coffin Three. You know, so I don't I, know. I you know, with script. COVID, you know, if somebody's coughing, you stay away from them. There you go. I love it. <laughs> you know, we used to, but uh, in the so there's some talk of that, and um, yeah, I mean, I I I saw that my buddy's uh, Kip. My buddy Kip Tribble, who wrote Coffin a couple months ago, and there's some talk of you know maybe a Coffin three, but um, yeah, there's some things you know potentially in the pipeline. But yeah, I mean I've been auditioning for a lot of different things. So, but it's been a busy time, and you know in the meantime I'm just doing a ton of gigs and just trying to you know trying to book as many things as I can and you know look forward and just so, keep moving, you know, so keep, where the, can, keep the feet moving. Where can we see you? In the um, well, you can find me on you know all the platforms and Instagram. No, no, I mean you know, in person. Name, where are, you, where... are you doing any live performances? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually in. Uh... Are you guys in LA? Yeah. yeah. Oh great, fantastic. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be at the uh, Urban Press Winery. I'm. I'm actually started this jazz concert series at the Urban Press Winery um, every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, seven to ten in Burbank on Santa Fe. It's a really beautiful winery. I've got amazing wine, and the food is tremendous, and it's a really cool, a cool spot. So we're trying to create this new kind of happening place, uh, you know, in Burbank, and uh, we've done about three nights now. So I'll, I'll be there every every um, I'll be there every Wednesday, seven to ten, hosting and also singing a whole bunch with a couple of guest singers and friends. Kind of a great musical night, and then. Uh, I've got a I've got a gig on um, actually this Sunday I'll be there I'll be there two to five this Sunday with Carrie Kelsey and Linda Smith it's a Halloween gig the great trio Paul McDonald and his trio and then um, I'm going to be at the conference room in Los Angeles um, in Playa Vista on December 11th and 
yeah you know and, and just that's that's all i could think of at the moment I'm, I'm i'm in palm springs every sort of month or every other month and i play at melvin's i sing at melvin's with michael healy my friend michael healy who's the maestro at melvin's and uh he's a great friend and i i'll, I'll sing with him every couple of months every you know on a sunday out there in the you know for the jams so so that's uh, a couple of a uh, couple of places i'll be that's awesome you keep yourself busy i mean yeah this- you know what i i do i do and i it's i enjoy it that way you know somebody said to me last week you travel a lot i was like well, i guess i do but you know I, I enjoy it and i um i try to sing as much as i can you know and uh try to find time rest for rest when i can <laughs> rest is for wimps <laughs> true <laughs> it has been it's been great having you as a guest this has been a fascinating conversation no nah, listen I, I i really appreciate you having me on thanks so much you know big shout out to my my manager my great manager matt chasen for for lining up and i appreciate your time and love the show and, and it's been fun You have been listening to episode 249 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for October 29th, 2022. Our guest today has been actor and singer Patrick Barnett, the crooning Borg. Your hosts this evening were Gene Turnbow and Susan Fox. This episode will air again tomorrow, October 30th, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and donate 5 or $10 a month to help keep the station on the air. It may not seem like a lot, but if everybody does it, together we can accomplish great things. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2022 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>